Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider, and you can hear this complete conversation as well as recent shows featuring guests discussing new cases of the troubling cattle mutilation phenomenon, worrisome instances of clandestine CIA torture, and the evidence that the lost city of Atlantis may have really once existed. Check out these programs and many other fascinating episodes waiting for you in the Coast to Coast Archive by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Mike Barra back with us. Mike, of course, noted author of a number of books, including The Choice. We were just with him on Ancient Aliens and JFK. And we're going to be talking with Michael about... What's really happening on Mars? You know, Michael, we get so many reports of strange stories on Mars. Our rovers are still there. What's the inside scoop? What are you hearing? What's happening there? Well, I I mean, George, it's really fascinating because, again, you have this lake that's announced today, and it really is old news to anybody who's been listening to Coast to Coast since 2001, 2002. So it's not like it's something completely new. It's just sort of new to the general public who doesn't, listen to, to your show, right? But, again, I mean, I'm looking at the images that have been presented that, that support this article, and I'm, I'm looking, and, and it, there's stuff there that looks like structures. There's stuff there that looks like ruined walls. So I'm thinking to myself, is this, you know, is it like disclosure, kind of a double-edged sort of disclosure? Like, they're actually want everybody to pay attention because of this big discovery of a lake, and then they put these pictures out of the area, and it, it looks like there was ruins there. So, I mean, I'm feeling like what we're seeing is we're seeing a a slow, steady, drip, drip, drip kind of disclosure that's happening without any really official acknowledgement. I mean, they're they're 20 years behind in terms of what they're willing to talk about, but what they're showing us is really extraordinary stuff. Mike, tell me scientifically, what do you think happened to Mars, and when did it happen? Because Everybody says it once had an atmosphere. We we now know it has a lake. Maybe it had an ocean. What happened to that planet? Well, it definitely had oceans, but I mean, I think that that the obviously something really bad happened to Mars. Now, remember that the the whole thing about what time this happened, how long ago this catastrophe was, is all based on the idea of crater counts, which basically is from the the perspective of NASA's concept of planetary formation, how this all worked. And, And there's a period called the late heavy bombardment, which was kind of the last time in the solar system when there's still a lot of junk, a lot of asteroids and rocks that were hitting the planets and cratering them out. And then over the next three billion years or so, supposedly, you know, the planets had had water, everything got smoothed out, and the craters disappeared. But Mars has what are commonly known as tidal bulges. And what that means is that it was once in a tidal lock relationship, an orbit around a bigger parent planet, just exactly like the moon is in orbit around the Earth, always showing us the same face. And every object, every moon in the solar system that's in a relationship like that has these tidal bulges. So what that means is that there was a planet somewhere near the orbit of where Mars is today that is no longer with it, that with us, that was blown up or exploded in some natural catastrophe. And not only wiped out the civilization that was there, but accounted for all of the craters. I mean, the thing about Mars is this line of dichotomy where you've got this pretty smooth cue ball northern surface, and then you've got the southern hemisphere, which is just completely blasted with so many craters you can't even count them or name them. So that means that their whole method of counting and aging and dating is completely wrong. And if that's the case, 
we're looking at, at this catastrophe, this explosion in the solar system. It could have happened 500,000 years ago. It could have happened a couple million years ago. It could have happened 10 million years ago. It could have happened a billion years ago. But I tend to think it was much more recent than that. I think it was probably within a few hundred thousand years that this explosion took place. Other people say, you know, Tom Van Flandern, who kind of came up with this, the exploded planet hypothesis, the late Dr. Tom Van Flandern, he thought that it was it was around 65 million years ago, the time the dinosaurs were extinct, that it was part of that event. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really a question of we don't know when this stuff happened, but it certainly looks like Mars was habitable not that long ago. Could it happen here, some kind of catastrophe like that? Yeah, it could happen here. I mean, you know, we always talk about, and we've heard a lot of us have heard a lot about Nibiru and Sitchin and his concepts of of Nibiru coming through, but in kind of reading his later books, I got the impression that Nibiru never really came that close to the inner solar system. It didn't really get anywhere near the Earth and the whole magnetic pole alignment thing and, and pole shifts. I don't think that really ever happened, but what it could do is it could get in around the area of the asteroid belt. So if a big object like that came through, let's say Nibiru was actually a brown dwarf star, as some people speculate, it would perturb a whole bunch of bodies in the asteroid belt, and then it would be like a shooting gallery. It would be like somebody blasted a shotgun at us, and we'd be very, very lucky to avoid getting a major hit from an asteroid. So something like that, even a large single object, uh, a very large asteroid, of course, we all know could cause an extinction-level event, an Ellie as they call it, and and really do a number on life on planet Earth. So that could happen. The other thing that's, of course, really a problem, which is why NASA doesn't like to talk about really what really happened to Mars, is, at least in terms of like like a a recent time, time frame, is that if this other planet that Mars used to orbit actually exploded, then guess what? That means that planets can explode. So if NASA were to admit that, what do you think the first question is going to be at the press conference? That's right. Um, Will it happen to Earth? Yeah. Don't we live on a planet? Couldn't this planet explode? And that would really sort of mess people's lives up. So I think that you've got all these political questions that are swirling around what should be a scientific discussion. But, you know, you you can't avoid the politics of it. Is the asteroid belt the remnants of that exploded planet? Yeah, I think that one. and, And there's actually another one. Um, that probably exploded, that, that Van Flandern theorized, that actually was in the area of, of the asteroid belt. Most of the debris probably would have been sucked up by Jupiter. But if you look at the what they used to call the Titus Bode Law of Planetary Spacing, basically it says that um, any, you know, any, every planet is about twice, twice as far from the sun as the previous planet. And it works pretty much all the way out to, to Neptune and Uranus, although Uranus is off because it's, got hit by something else. But, I mean, if you look at it that way, you've basically got um, a, a planet, probably one of these heavy, rocky super-Earths, roughly in the orbit of where Mars is now, and then there should be another one where the asteroid belt is. So it looks like there's probably at least two former bodies, planetary bodies in this solar system that simply no longer exist, and nobody really knows why or what happened to them. But I do think it's a question that we ought to be really focusing on. And we're not going to be able to do that unless we start being honest about what actually happened to Mars and, and more importantly, when it probably happened. Mike, do you think the moon was part of Earth or that it was an object that hit Earth and uh, that's what's left? Mm, no, I don't, I don't buy the second one. I think the biggest argument that the moon was part of Earth is that the they did some studies on the... Um, oxygen isotopic ratio of lunar soil. And what they found, basically, is that the various elements and isotopes that make up 
material on Earth, make up the elements, you know, um, lead, whatever, they actually had the same numbers. And what that means is that the moon itself was fissioned off the Earth. It was part of the Earth. Now, I guess theoretically, if a larger body hit the Earth and knocked away the moon, that the, you would get a mixture of these three different, you know, the, the, the Earth, the moon, and this other body, and it would kind of all tend to be that way. But it seems more likely to me that the fission model is correct, because that was, again, Dr. Van Flanders' model, was the idea that, that planets basically got spewed out from the sun as, you know, balls of, of molten energy, molten lava, molten material that eventually spun and cooled and formed the hardened planets that we see today. The bigger ones, the gas giants, were formed the, the earliest. So if that's correct, then what would happen is all the spin energy that the Earth possessed when it was first spun away from the sun would then have spun off a smaller moon, a moon exactly like the one we see. So I think it's kind of a combination of these two things. I think it's you know, people always ask me, is the moon artificial? And I'm like, well, kind of, sort of, some of it is. And I, I think what happened is this thing is a natural, um, a natural satellite of the Earth that has been heavily, heavily modified by somebody at, at some point in the distant past. Mike Barra with us. His website is his name, Mike Barra, B-A-R-A dot com. It's linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. Mike, with everything that's happening out there in the solar system and the universe, what still drives and excites you? Um, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I, that's a great question because I, I think to myself, you know, I kind of know, I feel like I kind of know what the history of the solar system is. I have a pretty good idea of what happened. I have a pretty good idea why it happened. I don't always talk about the details about that because it's it's a little out there. But, I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what happened. And what's exciting to me now is seeing the mainstream kind of come along with that idea. They start, they're, they're, you know, this is a, a, an example today. I mean, if they had actually made this revelation about this lake, this briny lake, in 2001 or 2002, it would have been a much bigger deal uh, in the sense that it would have been more contemporaneous with the things that, that me and other researchers were talking about at that time. But it's like, finally, almost 20 years later, 16, 17 years later, um, to see them finally coming around to our way of thinking and coming around to the things that, that all the lunar researchers, people like Keith Laney and, and uh, you know, Gary, a lot of other guys out there that have been working on this stuff have known for a long time is really encouraging because what that could mean is that eventually they will start admitting what some of this stuff is that we see on Mars and we see on the moon, which is, as we both know, artificial. There are artificial structures on these planets. So, you know, I, I think that what excites me is that the shift in the political winds, I guess, is how I would describe it, because these debates are not scientific. I mean, if you, if you want to apply science, Mars has got our artificial structures on it. The moon has artificial structures on it. It's the political problem that we have. It's, it's the fact that these, these issues are so politicized is what keeps us from simply admitting what everybody who has eyes can see. Last week, we had the anniversary of our landing on the moon with Apollo 11. What do you think of those skeptics who still continue to say, we never went to the moon? Oh, God. <laughs> it drives and, me and they insane. do. Yeah, I know. And it drives me insane. And, and it, you know, I, I was at a presentation in Manchester given by a, a very nice man that was just, I mean, everything he said was completely wrong. It just, you know, 
um, there were, he was talking about the photography and like, look how great this picture is. And you're telling me that this guy had a camera strapped to his chest and he leaned way back and took a picture of the lunar module <laughs> and it came out this perfect. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what they did because they trained for months and months and months with these cameras and they did all these things to simplify them to make the photography really good. And it's just, it's just so, um, it's so aggravating to have to constantly battle this because the thing is, George, is that, look, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I freely admit that. I sure. think a lot of your guests admit that. I'm, I'm not even sure you're not a conspiracy theorist. Well, I, I but, want answers, like you do. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like, um, okay, but the thing is, is that if we embrace the dumb conspiracy theories without thinking them through and, and hashing them out within the UFO community and coming to some sort of rational discussion about them, then it, it makes the rest of us look like fools. It really makes us look stupid. And to me, that's what this whole fake moon landing stuff really gets under my skin. In fact, it, it, it got under my skin so much that I devoted the last three chapters of Ancient Aliens and JFK to whether or not we actually went to the moon. And, you know, I mean, like I said in the book, John F. Kennedy would not have committed us to a course of action that was not achievable. Everybody knows it was achievable. And if, and if you've ever worked in engineering or aerospace, you, you know that none of the problems that are frequently listed were, were insurmountable. They simply weren't. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.